Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. All right, we are back and better than ever. Well, we're back. And uh, it's me, Aaron Karolnik. It's Al's brother behind the glass. We've been off the last two weeks here on the edge for obvious reasons. You know, there was the Christmas holidays. There was New Year's. Wild times had by all. And by wild, I mean sitting on my couch and watching sports for the last two weeks. But... The last two weeks have prepared me for tonight's show where we will delve into the Super Wild Card Weekend in the National Football League, the gold medal game in the World Juniors, the NHL season just eight days away from beginning, so we'll get into some player props, some over-unders, some trophy, and some quality wagers for you to make over the course of those eight days leading up to the season, but first... I have not seen or talked to this man in two long weeks. It is Al's brother. Great to see you, my friend. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Tell me one fun thing you did over the last two weeks. Trekked up and down the QEW to work every day. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> and how was the how was the wagering? Everybody on this program knows that you've had your struggles this year. You got hot towards the end of the calendar year. Is your hot streak continuing into 2021? Where do we stand? Uh, it's it's been pretty good actually up until this weekend. But I had a, a hot card that went three for three the other night on my pro line card just before Christmas. I think it was the Christmas Eve card, and then uh, didn't do so hot last week on the card. But hey, it's a new year, all right. New year, we're gonna come out firing, and hopefully, we can win some money in 2021. And the beautiful thing about what's going on in the sports world right now is that there is so much to bet on. It is almost it's it's crazy to keep track of between World Juniors tonight and the bronze medal game going on right now. Uh, we have the gold medal game with coverage starting on TSN 1050 here in about 90 minutes time. Uh, we have the NBA and the Raptors. You know, it's a one in five start. It's been ugly, and I've been backing them <laughs> night after night, and I can't believe what I'm seeing from this group. We'll get into that a little bit later. Of course, the National Hockey League again, eight days away. And coming up on Saturday, three games in the Super Wild Card Weekend. The Buffalo Bills against your Indianapolis Colts. Can't wait to get your thoughts on that game amongst the others going on throughout the weekend. But Al's brother, let's start with tonight's game. It's U.S. and it's Canada. And Canada's a huge favorite in this game, and rightfully so. This is a hockey team that has not allowed a goal at even strength through six games. Their goaltender, seventh-round pick of the Panthers, Devin Levi from Dollard in Quebec. Wow, you like that pronunciation? I don't know what's where that came from. Well but shout out to Fr- Shout out to French. He has started all six games. Dude has a 972 save percentage, three shutouts. Canada has 19 first-round picks on its roster. They're minus 350 to beat the States tonight. Do they get it done, and do they get it done in big fashion, Al's brother? I think they get it done. What are you considering big fashion? I'm not sure we'll see a 6'1", 6'2", 7'1", onslaught. But, you know, I think they will get it done. You can't forget about the, the team on the other side of the ice, too. The Americans are, are a real solid team. Outside of that first game that they played against Russia, they really have been uh, one of the better teams in this tournament. And the goaltender, also a Florida draft pick, and Alex Taylor over on the other side of the ice, he's pretty solid himself. And uh, so he's not going to be pretty He's not gonna be easy to beat, so I'm not expecting this to be a lopsided one, but I think that Canada, at the end of the day, will come up victorious with the gold medal. 
Canada is minus 125 on the puck line, meaning that they would have to win by a goal and a half or win by two goals uh, in order to cover that spread. And I'm leaning towards betting that. I think Canada gets it done. And, and the U.S. team is a team that's based on the Trevor Zegris, Alex Turcott, Arthur Kaliev line. But beyond that, they have not seen a lot of scoring. So if Canada is able to utilize that Bowen Byram and Jamie Drysdale defensive duo and lockdown on the Zegris line, Zegris has been unbelievable, uh, leading the tournament alongside Dylan Cousins with 16 points in six games. I think the Canada is going to be in, in really good shape, and I think they're ultimately just a deeper and more complete roster. I mentioned Cousins and Zegris, who both lead the tournament in scoring, and if you listen to the show that we did two weeks ago tonight, we identified Trevor Zegris at plus 2,800 as a quality wager to make with regards to leading the tournament in scoring. I hope you jumped on that as I did. Um, it, it's going to be a battle, and you look at both both guys are minus 250 to score tonight, score a point. Cousins is plus 140 to score a goal. Zegris is plus 200. So I think that regardless of the opposition, clearly the U.S. and Zegris going up going up against Canada a little bit more imposing than Cousins. The odds makers are looking at this as a dead heat, and I, I think I think there's some some merit to betting Zegers because that kid has been incredible, absolutely incredible, the star of the tournament, and I love watching him play. I agree. I think that he's he's a, such a fantastic player to watch. Uh, Anaheim really has themselves quite the prospect, a, a solid player that they're going to be able to build around. And uh, if if the Americans do want to put up a fight tonight, that line's going to have to produce. Zegers is going to have to uh, come out firing and really put the team on his back. Uh, Cole Caulfield has been a little bit underwhelming to what we mm-hmm. thought he would be a Montreal Canadiens prospect. Uh, I personally thought he was going to be one of the one of the kids in this tournament who are going to not not in points, but more so be a leader in goals and that hasn't quite turned out to be the case but one of the bets that I'm looking at tonight and you know we've been talking about Dylan Cousins and and Trevor Zegers and, and I agree with you that it's going to be a dead heat for who ends up winning uh, you know the, the the points leader I suppose by the end of things but I think that Dylan Cousins has a pretty solid night tonight and I think there's a bet out there plus 230 for Dylan Cousins two plus points tonight that's one that I'm really eyeing on mm. and one that I'm playing Seems that Cousins has been putting up two plus points per game, and in the court, in the semifinal, he of course had the goal and two assists, including that empty netter to end things. Cole Perfetti and Peyton Krebs are both featured on Canada's top power play unit. Both are even money to record a point tonight. So that's another way you can look at betting on Canada's power play to get on board and get on the scoreboard against the U.S., who has a quality penalty kill, but, I mean, this Canadian team is simply outrageous. Okay, Al's brother, let's not delay any longer. It's the Super Wild Card Weekend, and it gets going on Saturday at 1 o'clock with your squad in action. The Indianapolis Colts, they're at Buffalo as seven-point dogs. You know the Colts inside and out, and I know you like the Bills, too. This is a team that you've been betting on throughout the season, and they've been an exceptional team to wager on. Do you think the Colts stand a chance to win or at least cover the seven points in Buffalo? My mind's telling me no, but my body's telling me yes. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> but my mind is going to overtake this one. I, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to do it. This Buffalo's team is just cooking on all cylinders right now. And, and the only thing that scares me about Indianapolis at this moment is their, their defense hasn't been as dominant as they were early on in the season. And Phil Rivers has is, is still been quite inconsistent in that offense hasn't been able to put together four quarters for, for most of this season, to, to be honest with you. And that's something that the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen have been doing. Uh, they're coming in possibly the hottest team in the NFL. So I, I can see them winning this game by a touchdown. That defense, the too. Bills? The Bills defense yeah, oh. has really turned things around also since the beginning of the year. So Give I, us the name. Like Give us the name, Al's my brother. Man, you my know. man, Matt Milano, healthy, ready go. to go. He'll be he'll be covering the field alongside his man, Tremaine <laughs> Evans and, and company. Uh, I like the Bills in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody likes the Bills, and that line has moved from six and a half to seven. Uh, Eric Cohen, who's going to join us in about seven minutes' time, huge Bills fan, and I'm curious to know if he's starting to sweat because when the love is so one-sided, I tend to get a little bit concerned when I'm making a wager, and it seems like everybody and their mother are on the Bills, and for good reason. You look at their last six games. They enter the playoffs in a six-game win streak. They're averaging 38 points per game over those six games, and their score differential is plus 119. They are just crushing teams and crushing dreams, including those of the Miami Dolphins last week. This team's an offensive juggernaut, and I'm not sure that Buffalo's, and it pains me to say this because our man Carlo Koliakovo, huge Bills fan all of a sudden after this year, coincidence, He's all over the Bills. Oh, Bills Mafia jumping through the table. Oh, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, best team ever. I mean, the way they're playing right now, they are right there with with Kansas City. And I understand Kansas City has the track record. Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, absolute monster. The Bills, what they put on paper through 16 games this year is right there, if not better than what Kansas City has put on, on paper. So I see no reason why it's not a coin flip between those two, should they meet in the AFC Championship game. So how do you like the value? I've seen it out there at plus 825 for the Bills to win the Super Bowl. I mean, I love it. And, and I, I think you look at it uh, as far as the AFC goes, you can get the Bills about plus 300 just to win the AFC. Yes, they need to win three games. You would think they'll be able to beat the Colts, and we'll see how the, how the whole bracket shakes out. But, I mean, I think the Bills... Are legit. It, they have no holes. That defense and Matt, and we we make jokes about Matt Milano, the linebacker, who has completely changed that defense. Because if you recall earlier on in the season, they couldn't stop the run at all. And you talk about Jonathan Taylor, who's been a monster, one of the best running backs in the league in the second half. He is just crushing it. I don't know where that came from. You think about the beginning of the season where Jonathan Taylor was a guy like, oh, what a bust. Like, Indy made a terrible pick and and they should be playing Naheem Hines and Wilkins over him and all of a sudden, this guy has emerged somehow and if, and if, if he's able to have a big, big game against Buffalo's defense, then perhaps they have a shot, but I don't see that happening the way the Bills' D has, has been performing. The biggest issue is, so in order for Indy to cover this number and possibly win this game, A, they got to force turnovers, which is something that Buffalo hasn't been doing this year, and a big reason why they've been so successful on offense is because they've, you know, Josh Allen has protected the football way more than he ever had in the past. And the second thing is, if they want to maybe cover the number, grind it out with that run game and don't give Buffalo a lot of opportunities to score. You know, try and grind out 16 
16, 17 uh, play drives where you're really winding that clock down and then you, you try and get a couple of, of interceptions or fumbles. That's the only way that Indianapolis stands a chance in this game because with Buffalo being so explosive, they, they could just go out there within four plays, move themselves down the field and put up seven points. And one thing to note, Cole Beasley, who's been a beast all year for Josh Allen out of the slot, very much questionable for the game on Saturday. He did not practice today. The Bills added Kenny Stills to the active roster from the practice squad. So that would seem to indicate to me that they will not have Cole Beasley. That guy's been a really, really important piece of that offense. I would not underrate that loss should he be unavailable on Saturday. We're going to talk to the Big E, Eric Cohen from TSN Edge, about that game, the Bills, and the five other games on the slate ahead of Saturday and Sunday. I cannot wait, and I can't wait to talk to the Big E when he joins us next on The Edge. Oh, what a track. The man on the line knows it well. He is, of course, the Big E, Eric Cohen. Welcome into the show, my friend. Happy New Year to you. This song, Big E, reminds me of one of my first hip concerts I saw in 2004 uh, in Toronto. And, oh, Gus the Polar Bear from Central Park, an absolute classic. What's up, man? How are you? I'm great. Happy New Year to you. And, uh, yeah, it's funny because the hips were one of those bands that... um I, uh, you know, you hear certain songs and just immediately a memory will just come, like where you were when mm-hmm. you heard that song, either for the first time or what it means to you. They're just one of those bands that they have, like for me, 10 or 11 tracks that just immediately bring back what's usually a good memory. So basically, obviously not 2020, but usually a really, uh, a really wonderful time in your life. That's why I love the hip so much. Could not agree more, my friend, and I appreciate you bringing me into and bringing us all into your life and the importance of the hip because they mean so much to so yeah. many of us here in Canada. And let's go back to uh, what Al's brother and I were discussing in the previous segment. Uh, he's an Indianapolis Colts fan. I know you're a Buffalo Bills fan. Yeah. How are you feeling about your Billies laying seven po- points against uh, the Colts on Saturday? I'm pretty confident. Um, I think that you know you look at the Bills and what they've done. From a, a covering standpoint, I mean, they finished the year with with eight straight covers. They 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 went through a tough time, obviously, with those losses to Tennessee and KC early in the year, and then didn't play well in the game against New England, and didn't cover against the Jets, and then after that, they just went on this uh, unbelievable run. I mean, they they have just you know they've won, they've won big, they've been blowing everybody out. I mean, their backups blew everybody out. On uh, on Sunday, I, I didn't think the Bills would, would win that game. I didn't think there was any need to win that game. And they go and, you know, in a game that Miami absolutely needed, took them out to the woodshed, shows you the mentality this team has been playing with. And, uh, you know, the Colts, to me, uh, you know, they, they're, you know, obviously you got to love what, what Taylor did against Jacksonville on Sunday. He's really come on the last six or seven weeks. And one of the Achilles heels of the Buffalo Bills has been their run defense, especially earlier in the year. So I think you'll get a steady dose of Taylor. But other than that, I just don't see Phillip Rivers in that offense being able to make nearly enough plays to be able to uh, keep up with the Bills. 
I'm with you, Big E. The Bills minus six and a half, minus seven, wherever the line finishes up, will definitely be on my ticket this weekend. And my ticket has been a little bit complicated considering what's gone on with the Cleveland Browns, who have lost 17 straight games in Pittsburgh. So to expect them to win any game in Pittsburgh is probably folly in spite of the way that, you know, the the Browns have been an improved team this year. But now they'll be without their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, who tested positive for coronavirus. I believe their special teams coach will act as head coach. Their offense coordinator will call the plays. The line has moved slightly. It's now Pittsburgh minus six up from Pittsburgh minus five. How big of a loss do you think Stefanski and just the head coach in general is when factoring in and and handicapping this game on, on Saturday? I think it's pretty big. I mean, I got, I got Pittsburgh at three and a half when it opened. I knew that line would go up. I remember talking to you when Pittsburgh hosted Cleveland in the regular season, and I told you I thought that the Pittsburgh only laying three was really short for just what they've done to Cleveland for almost two decades in that building. Well, not that, not Heinz Field, but even the building before that as well. But um, you know, here we are again, where you just got you got a Pittsburgh team that owns these guys, and I, I love what what Cleveland's done. But man, the last few weeks have really taken its toll on the Browns. You had the COVID situation weeks ago, which took out all their wide receivers just because of the trace situation. Then, uh, you know, they get them back, and they had more issues last week going into the Pittsburgh game. And now you have this where Stefanski, who's, you know, him and McDermott are, are the two guys that are favored to win coach of the year. They're that good. So not having Kevin Stefanski there, not being able to, um, you know, have the guy who's really done a remarkable job with Baker Mayfield is a huge loss for them. And I think Pittsburgh, you know what, Pittsburgh did the right thing last week. There's a time to rest players week 17, and there's a time to Doug Peterson and do it all the wrong ways the way the <laughs> Eagles did last week. But the Steelers did it the right way. You know, They didn't have Ben Roethlisberger travel. They didn't play Watt. They didn't play the guys that, you know, needed a week. Pittsburgh, because of COVID, didn't get a regular uh, by week this week, so uh, this year. So they needed to have that rest, and they got it, and they're going to be refreshed. And Cleveland now, for the third straight week, is going to have to go into a game um, not have, not being at full strength because of because of COVID. And it's a huge blow. And if you think about it, I mean, the Browns, who were almost gift-wrapped a chance to get into the playoffs pretty easily with what the Steelers laid out for them last week with Mason Rudolph starting and everything else, you know, they were – they were up big, and they, they let the Steelers back in that game, and the Steelers were a two-point conversion with a minute left away from tying that game. So, you know, now that with Pittsburgh at full strength with, you know, the key, the key players rested in Cleveland dealing with what they're dealing with, yeah, I, I think the Steelers roll in this game, and it's just not a good spot at all for the Browns. Yeah, I, I am salivating at a Bills Steelers tease right now. I'm looking at it and I'm just looking at that and be like, wow, that seems like a free money alert. I'm totally with you on the Browns last week. I had them in my survivor pool. Fortunately, yep. they came through and ultimately I was a champion. Shout out to Steve Simmons Survivor Pool, one of twenty four winners. Congrats nice. to me. But Can you believe how many Survivor Pool winners yes, there were this? Usually I know. like a few. This year it just seemed like there were everyone, everyone had, had more than double digits. Yeah. There were so many people that survived. They just they were, there weren't the upsets you normally get in a football season. 
you're right, and and I don't know what we attribute that to. I think that's probably more just coincidental than everything right. than anything. But I mean, uh, if if there's ever going to be a, an upset um, in the playoffs, and and this was a very poor segue, I apologize, Biggie. We're talking to Biggie Eric Cohen from TSN Edge. It could come on Saturday night when Tom mm-hmm. Brady has to play at night. And this stat, which I saw on the TSN Edge Twitter account, really mm-hmm. piqued my interest. Tom Brady is 0-7 in his last seven primetime starts. And on Saturday night, you know the Tampa Bay Bucks in Washington to play the football team. Do you think Brady makes it eight in a row in his inability to cover at nighttime? Keep in mind, Brady... Well-tuned athlete, 43 years old, reportedly goes to sleep at 8.30 p.m. Maybe the nighttime just doesn't jive with his body at this point. It sounds crazy, but maybe this is actually something that's real. Well, he does have six Super Bowls under his belt, and those games always start after 6 o'clock at night. <laughs> it was a long time ago, man. Yeah, it's a long time well, ago. Play with me not here. Not too long ago, but you're right. Last year he played a night game in the playoffs, and Tennessee beat him. Um, this year, it's not gone well at night. You're right. It's not gone well in prime time. I don't think this is a great matchup for Brady because, I mean, if you look at how you beat Tom Brady, uh, the blueprint, obviously, is to get pressure. Make him uncomfortable. Don't let it be a clean pocket. And, you know, the law firm of, uh, of sweat, young, and pain that Washington's throwing out there, that front seven, that's what they do best. That's the strength of Washington, right? So, uh, you know, from that standpoint, you know, I think that Washington stays in the game. And if you're going to say, who would you, who would you take? Would you, I, I would definitely ride the home dog here, getting eight or nine points. Do I think Washington's going to win the game outright? No, because I don't think though offensively they're going to be able to make enough plays. I don't think they're going to score enough points to win that game. Tom Brady will still get his. And although, you know, Tom Brady was shut out the first half a few weeks ago in Atlanta, second half he put up uh, a bunch of touchdowns. The games were most, for the most part, where Brady has struggled. Uh, the Chicago game, the two games against the Saints, the second one he didn't score any points, but the first one he, they still got some. I just don't think Washington's going to be able to score 24, and you're going to need that to beat Brady. Uh, I, I feel like Washington will put pressure on him. They'll make plays. They'll make him uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, there's just too many offensive weapons on that Tampa team. I think Tampa wins, but there's a very good chance Washington gets a cover in this game. Yeah, and Washington head coach Ron Rivera said yesterday that he could rotate Alex Smith and my favorite player in the NFL, Taylor Heineken. His name, last name's Heineke. 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 Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess Alex Smith is not 100% clearly still a nag by that calf injury. So if we see Heineken out there, Big E, uh, there will be some problems. <laughs> well, he Let's played look okay at when he replaced. He was okay. Yeah, he, he played was okay. okay a couple weeks ago in the game against Carolina when he replaced Dwayne Haskins. He played a lot better than Haskins played. Um, That's true. Haskins was worried about what he was doing after the game, not what was going on in the field, man. Um, I I don't know if I believe that because Washington just played a playoff game against Philadelphia Sunday night, and we didn't see Heineke. It was all Alex Smith, and I don't think Smith played all that well. That's the problem, right? I just don't think Washington's got them because Washington's best players are all banged up. Alex Smith is banged up. Uh, McLaurin is banged up. He missed time before coming back week 17. And, and Gibson's banged up. He missed time before week 17. So the players that Washington have, that their, their best-skilled guys are all not 100%. Tampa Bay, okay, Biggie, we... other, other than the injury to Evans, who, who didn't practice today, they look to be a lot healthier. 
Biggie, we have about a minute left. i got to get your take on the Ravens as three-and-a-half-point favorites in Tennessee. And I think Baltimore is a phony. I think they're a fraud. You look at their last five wins. They beat the Cowboys. They beat the Browns in the Lamar Jackson cramps game. The Jags, the Giants, and the Bengals. And all of a sudden, it seems that people are considering Baltimore a legit threat in the AFC. And I know their run game is absolutely prolific. Mm -hmm. And I know Tennessee can't stop anybody. Mm -hmm. But to be a three and a half point favorite on the road in Tennessee, it surprised me to say the least. What did you make of it? Oh, I agree with you. And, and, you know, we talked again like five, six weeks ago. Everyone was saying back when the Ravens weren't in the playoffs, I said the same thing. They're going to get in because of their schedule. They don't play anybody in the last five, six weeks, right? They had that, that really easy schedule. And, and, and to, to Baltimore's credit, they beat up on all those teams other than Cleveland, which you had to get a safety at the end of the game to cover. Uh, but they, they beat up the other teams, and they did what they had to do to get in. Uh, the Ravens are are a good football team, but you're right. I mean, Tennessee, not only, um, you know, are you getting three and a half, you're getting three and a half points with a team that's beaten Baltimore twice in the last two years and big games. They eliminated them last year as a ten and a half point underdog in Baltimore. And then this year, again, they went to Baltimore as a six and a half point underdog and won outright with a uh, King Henry walk-off touchdown in overtime. So, yeah, I, I, for me, I'm taking the three and a half points. I think this game's a coin flip. I think it's really tight. And if you're going to give me three and a half points with a home team in a game that can go either way, I'm definitely taking Tennessee in the points. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Some some curious lines, and honestly, I cannot wait for Saturday afternoon. It's only Tuesday evening, but I wish the time. You know the movie Click with Adam Sandler when he like <laughs> yeah. clicks the thing and it just like fast forwards time. That's, right. that's what I need right now. I think we all uh, would like to do that. Maybe to like you know maybe May or June. I think that's also another alternative that we could uh, we could look towards. Uh, Biggie, thank you for doing this, my friend. Best of luck with your wagers, and I'm sure we will have you back on the show next week. Take care, man. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, Aaron. All right, that is Erico and the Big E from TSN Edge. The National Hockey League, eight days away, and we need to make some wagers on the Hart Trophy, the Rocket Richard Trophy. Who's going to win the North Division? The Leafs, the heavy favorite, but should they be? That and much more with Scott Cullen from The Athletic, from Locked on Fantasy Hockey. He covers it all, and he joins us next on The Edge. Back here on the edge on this Tuesday evening, we're leading into the World Junior Gold Medal game between Canada and the United States, which you can hear uh, right here on TSN 1050 at 8:30. Um, the game puck drop just after 9:30. Uh, my name is Aaron Korolnik with you till the top of the clock. Pleased to be joined by our man Scott Cullen. He's the host of the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast, a contributor to the Athletic and Monkey Knife Fight, and our former colleague here at TSN. What's going on, Scott? How are you? Oh, I'm good. How you doing, Aaron? Very well, thank you. Very well. Pumped for tonight's game and pumped for the beginning of the NHL season, which eight days away. It's incredible to think how soon and how fortunate we are to be seeing some National Hockey League hockey. And I can't wait. I know you can't as well, and you've been covering it through all of your platforms, Scott. And let's start with the Leafs because, hell, we're in Toronto. We're the voice mm-hmm. of the Leafs here on TSN 1050. And I'm looking at some of the odds. 
for the Maple Leafs in the North Division, or should I call it the Scotia North <laughs> Division. This 56-game season, the Leafs are the heavy favorite to win the North Division. They're plus 135, followed by the Habs and the Flames and the Oilers. And then you see the Jets and the Canucks at plus 900. Is Am I missing something here? Or like why do the books view the Leafs as such a superior team to the other ones I mentioned in the North? Um, I think, I think it's, I mean, some of it is going to be that just that the Leafs are, are such a wildly popular team, right? Anytime that you have a team that's kind of really popular, uh, with the public, uh, the moment they get, you know, a little bit good, um, the odds start to kind of tilt in their favor because you get a lot of believers. And I think, I mean, I think that's some of it. I also think that the Leafs do have, um, you know, better depth, uh, than their competition. I think, no, I, I think the interesting part of the, the North Division is that, um, you know, the, I don't I don't know that you would be that much more confident having Montreal, uh, who they have as the second best odds, or Winnipeg. Like, yeah. I, I don't think there's a dramatic difference between those two teams, um, and so that that's where I think it gets a, a little more interesting. Just because I think you know Toronto probably should have the best odds, Ottawa definitely should have the worst odds and i think you could you know roll the dice on the other ones and uh you know depending on how things break with injuries that'll probably determine uh how the season goes because i think there there's going to be a, a really tight race uh for those other spots and i think uh it, you know if you're you know trying to assess why the maple leafs might be above that that tight race and i think it's just that uh they have you know, better depth uh, through their organization than, than some of these other teams. I mean, even, even with Montreal's late moves uh, that they were making where they're trying to get, uh, you know, Michael Fralik and Corey Perry and just getting NHL uh, caliber guys who are, I mean, they're going to be fourth or fifth line players for them. Um, but that, I think, helps them uh, in this, you know, what, what figures to be a strange season where you're going to have to uh, jam a lot of games into a short amount of time and and you're not going to have a lot of flexibility to to move players around so if you if you happen to have a few extra nhl bodies it probably um is going to help and i think the, the leafs are in that kind of situation where they have some good organizational depth and uh i think you know the teams that can afford to do that uh probably give themselves a bit of a leg up Scott Cullen is our guest. He's the host of the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast and a man who will be at the top of almost every, near the top of almost every fantasy hockey draft is Austin Matthews, who was one goal behind Pasternak and Ovechkin for the Rocket Richard Trophy last year. This year, he is the betting favorite to win the, the award. And considering Pasternak is going to miss the start of the season, we know that in Boston. Ovechkin, another year older, I wouldn't want to doubt him. But do you think there's any value in betting Matthews to win the Rocket at about plus 450? Or is there somewhere or someone down the line that you think provides more value? Well, I mean, I think it becomes a real big challenge uh, bet there between Matthews and Ovechkin because I think they should be the top two uh, there. Like that, They're legitimate, but boy, it's really hard to look at Ovechkin in, in second place. Uh, given, you know, what's he won seven of the last eight scoring titles, uh, for goals. And like that, that's really hard to, even if, you know, you can, you can track their careers and say, okay, well, Veskin is this age. Matthews, uh, you know, is this much younger and on his way up. Maybe this should be the season, you know, that, that Matthews, uh, overtakes him. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, that becomes, uh, a real challenge. And, and honestly, the, the fact that you kind of get to remove Pasternak from the equation, 
uh, is a big help uh, because you know otherwise he would be, he would be right there with them. But I think you know he's going to miss like a month, and, and that and in a short season there's really no way to make that up. Uh, if you're going to go kind of deeper down the board and, and you know look for someone, I would wonder about Stamkos. Um, you know he's he's become so much of a uh, I, I guess a more complete player in Tampa Bay where he he hasn't been you know the strict trigger man the way he was um, you know when he scored sixty but you know he's what seventeen to one uh, to win the Rock of Richard and in a short season like if he went out and got thirty five goals you know that might be enough to to do it and and you know the the Lightning are probably going to be leaning pretty heavily on him you know with Kucherov out. Uh, I think that top line uh, with Point, Stamkos, and Pilat is probably going to, um, you know, be a big part of, of what goes on in Tampa Bay. And so I, I you know, I Stamkos as, as a guy who's a little further down the list might have some value, uh, but I mean, obviously, I think the the head to head between Matthews and Ovechkin is certainly a compelling one. Yeah, and and you wonder in a, in a fifty six game season, Scott, we could see someone further down the board. Like I'm looking at Taylor Hall at thirty nine to one, and is it a stretch? Yes, but I mean he is riding shotgun with Jack Eichel, a guy who was an mm-hmm. absolute monster last year. Would it be shocking if Taylor Hall just got off to a pistol hot start and racked up a bunch of goals? I don't think so. Another guy I'm looking at is is Patrick Line at at yeah. twenty four to one, and we've seen him put up forty six goals in the season before. A guy with an unbelievable scoring touch. If things go right, perhaps, maybe, uh, you might be able to find some value. Uh, on the subject of value, Scott, I, I want to get your thoughts on the Hart Trophy. And it's Connor McDavid who is the favorite. He'll probably be the favorite to win that trophy for the next 10 to 15 <laughs> yeah. years, uh, followed by Nathan McKinnon and Austin Matthews. And the thing I, I, I was thinking about when trying to evaluate and handicap this award is if McDavid, or if the Edmonton Oilers, I should say, missed the playoffs, I wouldn't expect McDavid to be a strong consideration for those who voted because it just mm-hmm. very rarely occurs. So I think you almost have to look at players on teams that are quote-unquote locks to make the playoffs. Is that how you'd approach it? And is there anyone or any anywhere you see some value when it comes to Hart Trophy odds? Well, that that's definitely a consideration, right, is that uh, because these awards are, are voted on, and, and we know, having kind of seen how, how voting goes in the past, is that, you know, you miss the playoffs by two points, and all of a sudden, you know, a, a wide swath of writers decide, okay, well, your, your season wasn't that good because your team didn't make the playoffs. And, and you know, that's the kind of thing that could that could get in McDavid's way. And, and, and so, like, that, when you see the next guys in line, it's McKinnon and Matthews, well, you know, the, their teams should be, you know, pretty safely in, in the playoffs. And, and that, I think, is part of the reason that they're as high up the board as they are. Um, so I, I think if, if you want to see value, um, you still have to look for uh, guys who are likely to be in the playoffs. But, you know, maybe, you know, like Braden Point uh, would be an interesting yeah. one, right? Given how his playoff went last year, if he, if he just kind of continued uh, to play at that level. Um, you know, he's he's somebody who who could do it. Uh, I, I'd be fascinated, like, if Crosby stayed healthy. And, and, I mean, this is funny. Now we're talking about the value play of Sidney Crosby. Um, because, I mean, one, he's super popular. But, like, people love the story of, um, you know, a guy who came back from an injury-plague season and, and you know, and, and put up a, a, a huge season. And, and given, you know, Crosby's kind of reputation, that would get him into the Hart Trophy uh, discussion for sure, and and so the fact that um, you know he's twenty four to one, um, you know there might be some value there because a healthy Sidney Crosby, 
uh, you know, he, he's probably not, you know, going to score as much as McDavid, but, you know, the Penguins probably have a pretty good shot at the playoffs, and if they get in and the Oilers don't, um, you know, he can at least get in the discussion. Scott, this is the week that everyone who participates in a fantasy hockey pool or league would do their draft, maybe over the weekend. Are there any guys, maybe further down, some sleepers you could recommend that might not be high on the Yahoo or ESPN pre-draft list, but guys that maybe our listeners could target further in drafts and may be able to extract a lot of value out of? Sure, sure. Um, you know what? One who I've been kind of recommending a bit lately is uh, Kevin LeBanc, uh, right winger in San Jose, whose numbers really fell off last season. Like he went from 56 points a couple years ago to 33 last year. Uh, but basically all his underlying numbers went up. So like he had a better shot rate. Uh, his line mates had a better shot rate. Just met just the, uh, the percentages didn't go his way. And so like, um, and those are the kinds of things that could really bounce back. And so I would look at LeBanc and, and one, um, because those percentages should bounce back, you know, there's, there's a chance, uh, you know, through no real change in performance that, um, that the number, his, uh, point scoring will go get better. Uh, but then, uh, you look at kind of the depth of San Jose up front, there's not a lot, which means he's going to have tons of opportunities. Um, to produce and so he, he's somebody and one because of how little he produced last season uh you know he's available late in, in a bunch of drafts so uh i, I target him a little bit I, I look to robert thomas in st louis too uh, he's had a couple of seasons uh where he's kind of made nice progress uh, but he finished last season pretty well had 26 points in his last 33 games uh with tarasenko out for most or all of the season for the blues um, there could be a, a good opportunity for Robert Thomas to kind of continue on in a, in a bigger role um, there. And you know what? A guy who, I mean, he, he's not way down the list, but he's a guy who I think probably should go higher is Charlie McAvoy. Uh, one of the reasons he hasn't been kind of way up on, on fantasy lists is because Tory Krug has been running the, uh, the Boston power play. And, uh, you know, as, as we kind of head into training camp, it, it doesn't necessarily look like McAvoy is going to be on the, the first power play. Matt Grizzlick, um could be the one who, who's running that. But, like, McAvoy is, uh, you know, he, he is the, the Norris Trophy candidate on the Bruins. And if, uh, you know, they decide that, uh, yes, this is our, our number one guy and he actually should be playing these minutes because it, it's not as though he, he doesn't have the, the skills to do it. So, like I, I think, you know, there's there's a, a path to McAvoy, um, you know, running that power play in Boston, putting up points, uh, and you know, a that will really help your fantasy team, but b it also gives them an outside shot. I think of the Norris Trophy. Make sure to check out the Locked on Fantasy Hockey podcast and his great work with the Athletic and with Monkey Knife Fight. He is Scott Cullen. Thank you very much for doing this, my friend. Appreciate it. Would love to have you back on down the road. Anytime. Thanks for having me, Aaron. All right, that is Scott Cullen. All right, I haven't seen. I used to see Scott Cullen all the time in the TSN hallways. Unfortunately, I've not been at TSN since March 11th. Hopefully soon. Let's get those vaccines going, people. All right, uh, Al's brother and I are going to wrap it up. I know he has some picks, some sleeper picks for the Hart Trophy that you could wager on. We'll tee up what's going on between Canada and the U.S. at 9:30. And any NFL stuff we didn't touch on earlier, we will touch on when we return here on The Edge. Woo! Feeling good. Feeling good. We have what should be an epic match tonight between... Match? This is tennis? 
Epic game tonight between Canada and the U.S. in Edmonton, the final game of the World Junior Hockey Championship. Congratulations to all our colleagues down there at Edmonton and at Agincourt for putting on a terrific tournament amidst some difficult circumstances. And I'm sure everyone who's been in the bubble for all those days is excited to get back home. And hopefully they're treated to a great game tonight because you look at the odds, the odds makers, Al's brothers, not so optimistic on this being that close of a game. Canada listed as a minus 380 favorite over a U.S. team that has acquitted itself quite well throughout this tournament, including uh, an Arthur Kaliev game-winning goal in the third period last night. Uh, Canada's been steamrolling teams. They haven't allowed a goal at even strength through six games. Are you giving... The U.S. a shot. You think uh, you have a you have a score prediction, Al's brother, for tonight's game? Uh, I will make a prediction that this one ends four-two. Uh, I think four-two. Canada covers the puck line and they end up winning gold. And I, one other bet that I believe that that I personally have made that I think has decent value and it's kind of a two for uh, Connor McMichael. You can go ahead and, and bet plus 260 to score a goal. I think that he's a player who's got eight points in this tournament so far. He comes up big in big moments. Had two points last year's gold medal game, including a goal. Scored a goal last game. He just does really well under pressure. and uh, So I think that he scores a goal tonight. And if you want to double down on McMichael's success, you can also bet that he has more points than Cole Caulfield. And I, I've seen that out for plus 225. So I'm big on McMichael tonight and those are a couple of bets that I've been that I've placed a couple of wagers that I think have decent value I like that a lot and I, I also like the showdown between Trevor Zegras and Dylan Cousins tonight the two guys who are leading the tournament and scoring with 16 points apiece in six games they have been the stars of the world junior tournament and whoever emerges with that point title will have put on quite the exhibition throughout the tournament. Can't wait to see how this all plays out again. Uh, that goes uh, just after 9.30 Eastern time. And all right, let's quickly touch on uh, what's going on with the L.A. Rams. They're at Seattle this week, and that's a game where it seems like John Wolford is going to be the QB, and he acquitted himself. I use the word acquitted again. I don't know why, but he, he played very well against the Arizona Cardinals. Chris Strebler, shout out to him, and Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Grey Cup champions 2019. I don't believe in Wolford at Seattle. And you look at the quarterback matchup. I feel, Al's brother, I'm getting concerned that I love so many sides heading into this weekend already that I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a little bit uh, a little bit over eager on my wagers, and I might be a sad, sad man come Monday morning. What do you make of this game, and what do you make of the weekend as a whole? No, I, I think this game is completely in favor of Seattle. I'm surprised that that line is still sitting there around four points. I thought for sure that that would be a much larger scale, especially you know after Goff won under the knife and most likely won't be in tonight either. So or won't be in this weekend either. So I, I think that Seattle minus four at home that's that's easy money right there. But as a whole, like I'm I'm excited for this weekend's games. I think outside of the Bears and Saints game, which to me just is very lackluster, I think it's going to be a wildcard matchup. I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I can't wait for Team Canada tonight against the U.S. And a couple stats to get you going for uh, just to prepare for the, the weekend ahead in the NFL. The underdog 11-1 and against the spread in the last 12 wildcard games. And the under has hit in 17 of the last 22 wildcard games. Those stats courtesy of Odds Shark. We will be back on Friday night for a huge 
betting preview for the weekend ahead in the NFL. I can't wait. We'll be chatting some NHL as well. I know Al's brother has it lined up for you. His best bets for the Hart, the Norris, the Rocket Richard amongst uh, amongst all the NHL awards. Uh, my name is Aaron Korolnik. It's been a pleasure to be with you back on the air after a two-week hiatus. We'll be back on Friday night, and we'll chat with you then on The Edge.